This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Dr. Luciana Trillis, a researcher at the Oswaldo Cruz Foundation in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. We'll be discussing detection of histoplasma capsulatum in Antarctica. Welcome, Dr. Trillis. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me today. Let's start off with what is histoplasma capsulatum? Histoplasma capsulatum is a microscopic fungus that lives in the soil uh, in endemic region. Mainly, the soil reach in bat and bird droppings. What is systemic mycosis? Systemic mycosis are a group of diseases caused by a group of dimorphic fungi. That is, they have different morphologies in the environment and in parasitism. In the environment, they are filamentous fungi, and in the host, in parasitism, they become weak, and they are endemic in different geographic regions. The infection can start as an inhalation of fungal spores and can cause primary lung injury that can regress naturally or can spread to other organs, including the central nervous system. Besides, they are capable of causing outbreaks. You found it in the Antarctic Peninsula. Where exactly did you find it there? In ice, in the dirt, in bird droppings? We collect water, soil, bird dropping, feces of mammals, but histoplasma was detected in the soil and in penguin dropping samples in an environmental preservation area on a beach on the Potter Peninsula with a rich presence of birds and mammals. Why were you looking for it there? We are there to do the surveillance of pathogens in Antarctica, whether fungi, bacteria, viruses, and parasites, especially the ones capable of causing outbreaks, so that we can work on forecasting and minimize the possible impacts on people's health in Antarctica and in other continents as well. And how did you detect it? What tests were used? We extract the DNA of the whole environmental sample and then amplify a specific part of the DNA of histoplasma capsulatum. Then we sequence this part of the DNA and compare between an international database of sequence for confirmation. And apparently it gets airborne. How does it what causes it to get airborne? Corals, of course, can cause causes to get airborne, but also human activity such as cleaning chicken coops and abandoned buildings, revolving soil for, for example, construction. Also, what's very common, entering case for leisure or professional activity. So those are some examples of histoplasmosis in the past. And who and what does it affect? Does it affect people, birds, all mammals? Who does it affect? Yeah, many species of mammals can be infected, including the bats and humans, of course. The, bird, the birds probably not because of the high body temperature, but the birds can carry it on their bodies to other places and disseminate the fungi in the environment. What kinds of symptoms do people get? Do birds and mammals get the same symptoms? Yes, the symptoms are not specific. Usually, the symptoms uh, result spontaneously. And it takes some simple uh, general malaise to a severe and prolonged respiratory infection. So fever, headache, cough, 
Little thermal pain, asthenia, and fatigue, they are usually present, but dyspnea only in the severe cases. The symptoms of the chronic histoplasmosis are very similar to those of tuberculosis, leading very often to misdiagnosis. And yes, the other animals, the other mammals, have a similar symptom. Can it be transmitted from person to person or zoonotically from animal to person? No. No, no. The disease cannot be transmitted from person to person or animal to person or person to animal. Okay? The infection is always from the environment. Is there a treatment for people for it? Yes. There are treatments, although the treatment is long and toxic. There are very few antifungal drugs that can successfully treat the mycosis. And the high lethality of the disease in some regions is mainly due to the late diagnosis. Because remember, remember that I said that the symptoms are non-specific. So the most important is the early diagnosis. What's the geographic range of histoplasmosis and where is it mostly found and what kind of environment? Histoplasmosis has been reported in all continents, but Antarctica, of course, because no one lives there. The prevalence is very slow in Europe and Oceania, to moderate in Africa and South Asia, too high in the American continent. But Latin America is the region with the largest number of cases reported. Was it a surprise to find it in the Antarctic Peninsula? We knew that we could find some of the species we are looking for because of the migratory animals. What we did not expect was to find histoplasmosis agent in 25% of the first analyzed samples because this percentage is similar to the endemic regions. It's a very high rate of positivity. Histoplasma has different clades specific to different regions. Tell us about them. Molecular studies identify different genetic lineages in the histoplasma capsulatum species, and they are different enough to become new species in the near future. And those different lineages, they are related to different geographical regions. For example, we have the North American lineage, the Panama lineage, representing the Central America, and the Latin American lineages, is more than one. That includes the isolate from South America. So we detect in Antarctica three different genetic lineages. All of them are very close related to the Latin America lineage. What makes sense? If you think the New Antarctica was already linked to the South America in the past, and also many animals from the peninsula migrate to South America in the Antarctic winter and go back to the Antarctica in the summer. Antarctica is considered the most isolated and inhospitable continent. What's going on with human intervention there stirring this up? Who are these people and what are they doing there? In the past, Antarctica used to be explored only by fishers and whalers. But over the past two or three decades, however, the intensity of human activity has continued to increase. Driven by only the explorers, but also scientific researchers, station support personnel, and more recently by a lot of stories. Dr. Trellis, what's unique about your study? Usually, the environmental source of an, any infectious disease is the actor and outbreak of war, and many, many people get sick. 
But there is no case of histoplasmosis in Antarctic. So by studying the Antarctic environment, we are trying to anticipate knowledge of a potential threat to public health. Why don't you tell us briefly about your study now? We detect the DNA of fungi. They are agents of systemic mycosis because they grow. They are fungi that grow very slow, right? slower than most fungi. But we also make the culture of the material to identify a possible new species that has pathogenic potential. What were your conclusions? Histoplasma capsulato is present in King George Island. Antarctica, and those who carry out soil removal in the region, researchers or workers need to be more careful and should use a personal protection instrument, like masks at least, so they will not be on risk to be infected. What does this study add to public health? This study demonstrates that Antarctica is not so isolated. And there is probably a constant exchange of microorganisms between Antarctica and other continents, either by human action, migratory birds, or air and sea currents. With global warming, previously frozen regions can expose pathogens not yet known, or with greater violence. That is why we must keep monitoring the presence of pathogens in the region. Those unknown organisms can be exported to the other continents and become a potential threat to humans and other animals. How big a threat is this histoplasma right now, then? We do not have an accurate incidence of histoplasmosis because it is not a noticeable disease. We know that exposure to a huge inoculum of conidia, even a host of normal immune function, can lead to severe pulmonary infection. When the person exposed to histoplasma capsulato is immunocompromised, even a small inoculum can lead to a severe infection with widespread dissemination. It means dissemination to other organs. Is there something you recommend going forward for dealing with this threat? In our day-to-day, there is no way to avoid inhaling this fungi. We can avoid inhaling the large number of fungal spores by using protective masks when there's any risk activity, such as cleaning chicken coops and abandoned places. That is why we need to monitor the presence of the fungus in the environment to know which regions are endemic and inform health teams of the possibility of this fungal infection occur. So the patient will have a faster diagnosis, early treatment, and a better prognosis. People are made so aware of the dangers of antimicrobial-resistant pathogens and certainly viruses now, but we don't hear much about deadly fungi. How would you rate them compared to bacteria and virus? Fungi are not as virulent as viruses or bacteria, as they are not transmitted from person to person, but they are infections with a slow course. The treatments are very long and they are toxic because the fungal cells are more similar to the human cells. So there is a high rate of treatment dropout, relapse, and disabling sequelae. Besides, there are very few drug options for fungal infections. And with the continued use, some strains can become resistant to the most used drugs. Tell us about your job and how living in Brazil, you're involved in a study in Antarctica. And I understand you're going back soon. I'd like to hear about that. I work in the mycology laboratory of the National Institute of Infectious Diseases. It's a national reference laboratory 
for assist mycosis. I'm biologist, curator of a culture collection of pathogenic fungi, and responsible for the investigation of environmental sources of systemic mycosis outbreak. And we are in Antarctica because the Brazilian government has a program that promotes research projects in Antarctica, the Proantar. And in my institution, Fiocruz, uh, eight research groups from different areas came together to construct this project and study the pathogens in Antarctica. Yes, next week I'm traveling to Antarctica again to collect samples at the same site we already studied and also in new sites that we haven't been yet. And this trip is always carried out with the logistical support of the Brazilian Navy. So the trip is where we fly to Chile and from Chile we take the Navy ship to Antarctica. It's a trip that lasts four or five days. Despite a somewhat iffy connection today, it was a pleasure talking with you, Dr. Trillis. Uh, you're welcome. And thanks for joining me out there. You can read the October 2022 article, Molecular Detection of Histoplasma Capsulatum in Antarctica, online at cdc.gov eid. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.